We are continuing in our series, Believe, as if you couldn't tell. Isn't that awesome? Man, this is week number 29, I believe, for us, or really probably week number 27. We've been doubling up over the last few weeks and dealing with this passage of Scripture here in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the deal. We're kind of crazy. We're a little weird here at 1910. We believe that for those of us that have asked Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, we said yes to Him. We surrendered our lives to Him. Here's the deal. We believe that we ought to stand out and be a little bit different than the rest of the world. Amen? We, we, we believe that, that, that Christ came to save you, but he's doing a work in your life as well, and he wants to change who you are. He wants you to look a little bit different. Now, that's not to say that we stand out and make a name for ourselves, but we just really believe, as it says here in Galatians 5.22, the Holy Spirit begins to do some things in our lives as believers. He produces some fruit that is attractive. In fact, let's read this verse together this morning. We've talked a lot about about many of these. Today we're going to talk about three of them. But let's read this together if we can. Out loud. Audience participation time. Are you with me today? If you get hung up on a word, just ask your neighbor, what's that word? It's fruit. Okay, here we go. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Amen? Listen, it is perfectly legal for you to live this. You can do this with the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, some things you need to know that's very important. Who produces this fruit in our lives? Holy Spirit does. This is not about you working harder, going more, giving more, serving more, singing more, lifting your hands higher. It's not about anything you do. The Holy Spirit of God produces these things in our lives. Aren't you thankful for that? Now, there is a role that we play. We continually surrender. We're submitting ourselves to him. We're walking beside him daily. And as we do, oh man, God produces this fruit in our lives. Today, I want to start with the virtue listed there called kindness. Kindness. Kindness is a big deal. You know that, right? God is kind. Jesus is kind. In fact, the the apostle Paul in in, in the love chapter, anybody know what, what chapter in the Bible is considered the love chapter? Not Song of Solomon. That's the love book. Amen. But the, the love chapter is what? 1 Corinthians 13. You might hear this mentioned a lot in, in weddings or, or things of that such. But, but even in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, when Paul begins to list what love is, he starts by saying, love is what? It's patient, right? And that's interesting. That's there. But then the next word that he uses to describe love is the next word, the first virtue we're talking about, this word kindness. Love is patient. Love is kind. Now, we know that God is love, right? And so God is patient, isn't he? Aren't you thankful that God is patient? God is also kind. If love is kind, we can rest assured that God who is love is also kind. And you know that his kindness can be seen in Jesus In in Jesus, as he carried out his mission to change the world. We we, we see his kindness, God's kindness, in the way that Jesus was kind to others. For instance, 
Do you remember the young couple at their wedding feast who ran out of wine? Whoa. That's a big deal even in our culture. But I'm telling you, in, 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 in first century uh, uh, culture, that running out of wine uh, on one of the happiest days of your life, that was a big time social miscue. But what we find is Jesus demonstrated kindness. Jesus solving the problem for them. He did something that day that they couldn't do for themselves. In fact, they tasted, if you know the story, they tasted even better wine when Jesus showed up and did his thing, right? But I'm telling you, the best wine they tasted that day was the kindness of Jesus, wasn't it? What about the woman that was caught in adultery that was brought before Jesus? Remember that story? Remember how the religious leaders had grabbed her and she had grabbed a sheet to cover up? All of their eyes were on her when Jesus stepped in that day and he did something very surprising. And it was kind. You see, he knelt down and he began to write something on the ground. And all the eyes left her and they shifted towards the sand as Jesus began to write. That's where their eyes should have been anyway. They should have been ashamed of themselves, shouldn't they? But in the midst of their unkindness, this lady met the kindness of Jesus. He's kind, isn't he? What about the story of the demon-possessed man? He roamed around without clothes, without a home, and and living in the tombs. Uh, His situation was really grave. And he shouted at Jesus, and he was shouting at the crowd that day, but Jesus returned his shouts With kindness, didn't he? Jesus commanded that day for those evil spirits to leave this man. These evil spirits, they requested to be sent into the nearby pigs. And Jesus kindly obliged, right? And because he did, we now have deviled ham. This is good. Hey, we can go all day. You you want some? No, just kidding. Promise everything from this moment on is serious. Guys, you're not supposed to laugh at church. You're not supposed to have fun. This is a place of boredom. And just sit there and just take it. Take it like a man. No, it's good. Jesus was kind, wasn't he? You might not have ever thought of Jesus as being kind, but he was to these people. And we could tell story after story today of people throughout Scripture that Jesus was kind to. Not just people in Scripture. Has Jesus been kind to you? I mean, hasn't he been kind I mean, listen to what the Apostle Paul says about God and his kindness. There are a couple of passages of Scripture in the book of Ephesians that that I want us to look to. Beginning in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, listen to what Paul says. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And so God can can point to us in all future ages as examples of, of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he's done for us who are united with Jesus Christ. And God saved you by his what? God saved you by his grace when you believe. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no, none of us can boast about it. Did you catch a glimpse of kindness in this passage? God showed his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. His grace was expressed in a kind way. The the Greek word here has to do with an act of grace. It's God's activity 
on our behalf. You see, he's kind. And his grace was expressed through the kindness of Jesus Christ. Listen, he saved us. This is not something that we, we, we could do for ourselves. Even when we did not know that we needed to be saved, God had already acted on our behalf through Jesus. That's kindness. And it was not dependent on any work that you or I could do. It was a free gift, and it still is a free gift. If there's anything that, 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 that I want to encourage someone here today, that if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never received this free gift of salvation, I'm praying that today would be the day that you say yes to my Savior. Listen, God is kind. Jesus demonstrated that by going to a cross and giving up his life so that you could have life. That's good news, isn't it? And what Paul is telling us is that if we want to see kindness, we need to look no further than Jesus. A couple of chapters later in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this to us. He says, be kind to each other in verse 32. Be kind to each other and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Kindness. Now what you don't hear in the English, in this verse, you, you can't miss it if, if you know anything about the Greek words used. You see, the word for kind in the Greek is the word krestos. Krestos. Say krestos. Now, the word for Christ in the Greek is Christos. Say Christos. So I have krestos, kindness, and I have Christ. Christos. You can't hear this admonition in the original language without connecting kindness with Christ. Are you with me today? And, and, and I love in this verse, can we go back to verse 32 real quick? According to, 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 to Paul in, in Ephesians 4 verse 32, can we go back? There you go. And, and you, you cannot be the recipient of, of, of kindness of Christ without paying it forward. Do you know that? In fact, go to the next screen. You, you, you can't be the recipient of this kindness that Christ has given us without paying it forward to others. He, he, he told us in verse 32, be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Why? Because your pastor tells you to? No. Because we remember what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Is anybody thankful for the kindness of Jesus Christ. You see, God has been immeasurably kind to you. He's been immeasurably kind to me. We owe him everything. Now, some people do try to pay God back for his kindness. They do their best to be right about everything. They try to work hard, one service project after another. They, they, they try to fill their, their schedule with more and more church activities. They're trying their best to pay God back, right? And in the midst of our trying, we, we, we tend to forget kindness. And we can do a lot of things in an unkind way, but that's not what Jesus wants. And, and, and instead of paying Jesus back for his kindness, what he's calling you and I to do is to pay his kindness forward. 
We, we, we are to pace. We, we, and that's what happens when this fruit is produced. We, we are, we are, we're paying it forward. We're, we're being kind to someone else in the same way that Christ has been kind to us. I love this quote by Mark Twain. It said this, Kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Hey, listen, can you be kind today? You will have an opportunity to put this fruit on display. Have you been kind today? Or have you already blown it? Has anybody already blown it? You've been unkind? Let me see your hands right now. We're going to pray at the altar. You're going to have an opportunity to put kindness on it. Why am I kind? Well, because God has demonstrated kindness towards me through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Isn't that great news? Let's talk about goodness. It's another one of these virtues mentioned, the fruit that the Spirit wants to produce in us. And, and for our purposes here of goodness, let's define goodness as consistently reflecting the character of God in our motives and actions. Now, that's an important, important definition there. It's consistently. You know what consistently means? Who? All the time. Yeah, thank you. All the time. Reflecting the character of God in our motives and actions. Motives, that's a big word there. Consistently reflecting the character of God in our motives and actions. As, as, as goodness gains ground in the maturity of a believer, those around the believer will begin to notice this fruit in us. And, and I believe it's, it's going to be attractive to them, and it's going to draw them to God. Listen, I, 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 I want to be good, not so that people will just look at me and say, you're a good man. No, I want them to see the goodness of God through the life that I live. And, and when we're good, people are going to be attracted to that. This, this fruit will exude from, from, from our spirit, causing other people to say, you know, there's just something different about you. I, I love seeing a, a, a Facebook posting last night from, from someone, and, and, and they showed a picture. Evidently, this picture was taken from a time back when they were in maybe a darker place in life. And their status update above it was, I'm just so thankful that I'm not who I used to be. You see, that's what God does. He takes somebody's life and he changes them, doesn't he? He makes all things, we sang beautiful, he makes all things new as well. Someone here today, that might be a word for you because you're here today and you're thinking, there's just no possible way. No, I've been a bad person. There, there's no possible way for this, this goodness. I, I'm telling you, there is. God wants to take something bad and make it good. He brings beauty from ashes. He makes all things beautiful. You see, you can be made new. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. And I believe that as this fruit is for people, say, man, there's something different about you. There, there is something different. You've been changed in a dramatic way. Wow, church, could we choose to be kind, could we choose to be good in our relationships with others? See, in that passage of Scripture that we started with today, Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, the, the, those Greek words, that, that word krestos for kindness, the, 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 the word for goodness is agathos. 
Those, both of those words refer to, to outward acts, outward acts towards, towards others, that, but they're first generated in this inner moral sense that we have of what is right and what is, is best. Listen, you know, you know what's right. You know what's best. We do. I remember one of my coaches in, in, in high school, uh, Steve, we had a coach that used to say, he'd say, Brown, there's never a right way to do the wrong thing. And then he would also go and say, hey, listen, men, listen, right is always right. Right is always right. And we live in a culture today where, where we're constantly caving in and doing things that we know aren't right because we don't want to be you know, looked upon unfavorably, or we don't want to take a stand because it seems like everybody else is for it. You know, come on. Right is always right. Listen, church, we know what the right thing to do is. We know for the most part what is best. We need to start living that. We, we, we do what we do for others because inwardly our, our hearts, we, we've decided, we've decided that this is right. We know what God says. We know what the right thing to do is to benefit other people. It's not just for yours. It's for the benefit of others. Now, listen. Um, can we? Yeah, look at that. No, go, go, go back one more. Go back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just flipping. I'm all over the place. Reflecting the character of God in our motives. I told you that word motives is huge there. Because... There are times when ulterior motives take, take the place of acts of kindness and goodness, don't they? Uh, moan fell over the audience. You know, we can do something to look nice. We, we, we can do something even to look good and even to give the appearance of being harmless. But sometimes I believe we can do it with the wrong motive. My mom had, loves to, to, to purchase things that, that are older, antiques. I, the guys from American Pickers would have a heyday at my mom's house. And I'll never forget when I was in high school, mom bought a new dining room table. And we went to pick this thing up. And we walked into this. It's just an old junk store. I mean, dusty. It smelled horrible. And I just looked at this piece. I said, man, I sure hope that that's not the table that we're taking back with us. And mom's like, uh, yeah, that's the one. And I never forget my mom got that table and she she brought that table into our house and my dad kind of fell out and laughed a lot and and then, but but mom I never forget one day man that table began to take on a different presence mom mom put a wood bowl filled with apples on that table right in the center and man it made that piece of ta- old wood table look beautiful to me and I went and picked one of those apples up and bit into it and I lost two front teeth you know why those weren't real apples they were fake they were artificial. You see, whoever made those wooden apples did a great job and had kind of pulled one over on me. You know, sometimes our goodness can be done with false motives. We have an ulterior motive in mind. Maybe we give someone a a public compliment and we're just doing it so that we can get something that we want. Or maybe we buy someone a gift, but our real goal is to get that person to do something for us. Usually to buy something far more valuable, right, than what we, we gave them. Honest appearances can disguise highly dishonest motives. Some fruit's fake. 
Some acts only appear to be kind, and they are not good. So how can we be good? How can we put this fruit on display, you might be asking? It's a great question. Let me help you out. You see, out of a pure heart to do the right thing for others, first of all, I think that we need to seek to build others up. Seek to build other people up. That, 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 that should be self-explanatory. Hey, hey listen, you, you, you know one of the greatest ways you can build people up is with your words, right? Now, you know that your words can build people up or it can tear them down, right? right? You, you, you can build people up with the things that come from your mouth, and, man, you can destroy someone as well. Hey, listen, out of a pure heart to do the right thing for others, let's be people that, that breathe words of life. Into others, let's build them up. Hey, let's let's not pay back wrong for wrong. Out of a pure heart to do the right thing, let let's not think that we've got to pay back wrong for wrong. And in First Thessalonians five verse fifteen, it says, "See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people." Let's not try to pay back wrong for wrong. Hey, out of, out of this pure heart to do the, the right thing for others, let's do the hard thing out of love. Some of you right now might be in a relationship, and, 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 and for your sake and maybe even for the sake of the other person, you might be having to take this, this, make this hard decision of, of, of walking away from that relationship. Or maybe there's somebody that, that you might need to have a hard conversation with, but you need to make sure that it's out of love, not just so that you can feel like you're the judge and jury, correct, rebuke, and destroy them. No, no, no. You, but sometimes even having hard conversations out of love for someone, someone spiraling downward, or someone did something that, that they didn't know was, was hurtful to you, whatever. But out of a pure heart to do the right thing, let's build people up. Let's not pay back wrong for, for wrong. And, and let's, sometimes we might have to do the hard thing out of love. Goodness, goodness, kindness, and goodness. What about this last one, faithfulness? Let's talk about faithfulness for, for just a few moments. Faithfulness. In faithfulness. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. Look what the word of the Lord says. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Ooh. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. You will win favor and a good name in the sight of God. That means your faithfulness is going to be noticed. I want you to think for just a, a minute with me. Think, th- think for a minute of, of someone who in your book has a good name. They, they, they've got a good name. Your reputation is awesome in, in your book. You hold them high. Maybe it's someone you remember because of, of their faithfulness. Whether it was maybe their, their faithfulness to God. Maybe it was their faithfulness in their, in their marriage. Maybe faithfulness to, to their children. Maybe a child kind of went off and did their own thing, but they returned, and they were like the father and the prodigal son. They were waiting, and they hugged that child and brought him in through the party. You know kids sometimes go AWOL, right? Listen, and some of you right now are in a situation like that. Can I just encourage you with something? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And right now, it may look like the enemy's winning. You be faithful. 
you be persistent in training up and teaching your children the ways of God. I probably don't need to remind you that you probably went AWOL for a while and you're growing up too, didn't you? How many of you went AWOL as a teenager? Let me see all over there. Yeah, get it up higher. I see you. Yeah, you go. Somebody needs to put two hands up, right? Right? Aren't you thankful that God didn't give up on you? Maybe your parents continue to be faithful and persistent. But there's somebody that you think of right now that, that has, they've got a good name. Faithfulness matters, doesn't it? It matters. What does it mean to be faithful? It means that we're loyal. It means that we forsake those things that, that harm our relationships. We're, we are faithful as long as we live. Faithfulness, guys, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. And as we've been saying over these last few weeks, even with this thing, faithfulness, it's a natural result of our walk with God. Who produces this fruit in us? The Holy Spirit does. And as we walk with him and as we're in step and as we're in tune with him, he's going to produce even this in our lives. And I love this, defining the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's these attributes that God gives to us when we give ourselves to him. Listen, if you're serious about becoming more like Jesus, I believe with this fruit of faithfulness, you've got to be serious about being faithful. And listen, faithfulness is not just this, this one-time event. Most of you have been to a wedding, right? Most of us have been to a wedding at, at some point. Maybe you've been a participant in it, you know. And in, in a wedding, you know, there's, there's that moment where, where the couple promises to be faithful to one another as long as you both shall live, right? You probably have heard that statement. It's, it, it's, it's not just a, I'm only going to be faithful right now because everybody's watching. But man, afterwards, tomorrow, woo, forget it. No. Faithfulness is not this one-time event. Faithfulness is kind of like, you know, we, we, we talk about putting on the armor of God daily, don't we? We got to put it on so that we can withstand the attacks of the enemy. Hey, listen, this thing, faithfulness, is the same thing. It's a daily thing. It's work. How many of you have been married? It's work, isn't it? It's work. Man, I spent like a hundred bucks on that wedding ring for her. Surely that's going to just prove to her my love. No, because every year at anniversary, I've got to remember that. And I've got to buy more crap and give to her, you know, and just a reminder. It's work. Faithfulness in a marriage, it's work. Man, man, some of you have got lifelong friends that have been with you. They've been faithful to you in the ups and downs of your life. Times in which you were easy to be around and in times when you were just a jerk. And you were difficult, but they stayed with you through the joys and through the pains, through the victories. That's faithfulness. And don't you value that? You do. You know, God remains faithful too. God remains faithful to his people. When we sin, what does God do? He forgives. When, when, when we forget God, guys, listen, he doesn't forget you. He remembers you. When you repent, what does God do? He's like that father and the prodigal son. He welcomes us back. You see, God is faithful to us. He's relentlessly faithful to us because God loves us. God desires to be in a fruitful, faithful relationship with you. 
For someone here today, you may think, man, I'm so far gone. There is no possible way. I'm telling you, God wants you. He loves you. And he desires to be in this relationship with you. He's faithful. And God is looking for us to be faithful to him with all that we have, with all that we are. Not just once, but every day. Hey, I want to ask you a question this morning. Can you remember? Can you remember the day you came to faith? Can you remember the day you decided to be a follower of Christ? That day that you gave your heart to Him? I I hope you can. I I believe that this is the most important decision you will ever make in your lifetime. More than who you will marry, where you'll go to college, what job you'll take, where you're going to live, how many kids you're going to have, you know, all of This is the most important decision, the most important moment of your life. Can you remember that day? Here's what I believe. I believe that people that have truly said yes to Jesus remember this. Now, I know that you may not remember the exact date or, or, or where you were. Maybe it was if it was in a church gathering, a youth camp or whatever, who was preaching and what the sermon was like. I remember, here's what I remember. I remember mine was in the month of October of 1979. It was on a Sunday night. I remember who the pastor was, Pastor Ronnie Yarbert. I remember all of those things. I don't remember what he preached. I don't remember what I was wearing. I don't remember what the temperature was outside or who the president was in 79. Who was that? Anybody know? Carter. Carter. Yeah, I don't remember anything, but I'd remember the moment that I said yes to Jesus. I remember that. Do you? Do you? Listen, if you can't remember this moment, um, you just should. And, and here's the deal. You've not always been a Christian. You've not. I hear that a lot from people. I say, hey, can you tell me, hey, when did you, when did you, when did you become a Christian? Oh, I've just always been a Christian. I'm like, <laughs> no, you haven't. You were a turd, a scumbag, a jerk. The Bible calls that a sinner. That's what you were. And we all have that in common, don't we? For all have sinned. You weren't born a Christian. Your name might be Christian. Pastor Chach's real name is Christian, he's born a Christian, but oh, he was a sinner too. You haven't always been a follower of Jesus. You haven't. And so the question I have, can, can you remember when you said yes to him? You, you, you need to remember this. It's like the day I said I do to Angie Brown, September the 1st of 1990. I will never forget it. She looked stunning, long, long curly hair. Dress that was kind of off the shoulders. Wow. It was hard to stay focused. I sang to her that day. It was hard for me to remember the words, looking at how beautiful she was. I remember that day. I remember her past, her, her grandfather. I re- Do you remember the day you said yes to Jesus? It's the most important decision in your lifetime. And you know what you did this day? You promised him to be faithful. It's a big promise to make, isn't it? But you promised, Lord, I, I, I surrender to you, and Lord, I'm going to be faithful to you. So let me ask you, have you been faithful to him? 
have you? Are you forsaking all others? Are you laying aside all temptation, all idols? Are you laying aside all other desires that you have in order to remain faithful to the God who calls you his own child? Are you being faithful to him? Senator Mark Hatfield tells the story of when he toured Calcutta with Mother Teresa and visiting this so-called house of dying, this place where where sick children are cared for in their last days. And and he tells the story of going to the dispensary where, where the poor people would line up by the hundreds just to get in to receive the medical attention that they needed. The senator tells of watching Mother Teresa minister to these people, feeding and nursing them, A lot of people just left by others to die. And the senator was overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the suffering he saw. He was overwhelmed by the co-workers and and what they must face daily as they ministered to these people. And, and, And the senator asked Mother Teresa this question. He said, how can you bear the load without being crushed by it? And Mother Teresa replied, my dear senator... I'm not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. And listen, when I ask you, are you being faithful? I'm not saying, have you been perfect? Because none of us are. And we still make mistakes and we still drop the ball from time to time. I'm not asking, are you being successful? I'm asking... Are you being faithful? What does it mean to be faithful? I believe it means that we, just as we ask our brides and grooms, we ask them to declare, will you be loyal with your whole being? Will you forsake those things that would would break the relationship with God and others? It means to be devoted to Him as long as we live. It might not be easy, but guys, it's right. And the good news is that we don't have to be perfect all by ourselves. (laughs) See, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And God will give you and me faithfulness. Now, our role in all of it is to walk closely with Him. Knowing that as we stay close to Him, He will produce this fruit naturally within us. Can you remember a time when you came to faith? I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. And and, uh, I want to ask our prayer ministry team to come join me down front, all across the front of this auditorium, just spread out. This is the most important question of the day. Can you remember a time in which you said yes to Jesus Christ? You asked him to be your Lord and Savior? If you can't remember that day, if you can't remember if you've ever done that or not, I want to ask you to do something pretty courageous today. I want to ask you to come right now to one of these people if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. And I want you to come to these and say, hey, right now, I need to ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I've never done it. I don't remember. I don't know. Listen, it's not about knowing stuff. It's not about going to church. This is about coming to that place where you say, you know what? I give up and Jesus, I surrender my life to you. If that's you today, I want you to come right now. Just come on down front and you find somebody down here and say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to surrender to him once and for all. If that's you, you come. Anybody? Don't put it off. We had two this morning, first service. 
You can join the ranks of those that once were lost but now are found. They were blind, but ooh, now they can see. Is there anybody here today that needs to say yes to Jesus for the very first time? Or maybe you're here today, the, the second part of this question, you've not been faithful. You, you've not been faithful to the Lord. You've allowed other things to come in and to, to steal the attention, the time, the resources that God desires and deserves. And, and you've allowed those things to creep in your life and take over. And you've not been faithful as long as you live. You have forsaken that relationship and you've given in. Maybe that's you today and you want to come and have somebody down front pray over you. I'm going to pray and I'm going to dismiss us. And if you today want to come for the very first time and give your life to Jesus Christ, you will remember this day as March the 13th of 2016. The day that you said yes to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you want to come and she say, hey, would you pray with me this morning? I need to return to my first love. Father, thank you for reminding us today that you are kind, you are good, and you are faithful. You never give up on us. You never turn us away. You always are seeking us. God, I pray that these things that you've been in our life, that we would also be in the lives of others. Let us be kind. God, let us be good. And Father, let us be faithful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.